Hello, everybody. Welcome along to the Event Industry News Podcast. My name is James Dixon, wishing you all a very good morning, afternoon, or evening, whenever or wherever you've tuned into today's podcast from. The podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, Engage, powered by D2I Systems, winner of Best Event Management Platform at the 2017 Event Technology Awards. To learn how Engage can make your business more profitable, visit d2isystems.com forward slash engage. And a very warm welcome to you all on today's podcast and a very warm welcome to our guest. Um, we welcome the co-founder and festival director for the Black Deer Festival, Jill T, to the podcast. Jill, thanks very much for joining us today. Pleasure, pleasure. Um, Black Deer is, is a festival that certainly I'd come across. I've not been to, but I've, I was aware of um, and knew of it. But for those of you, who, for those uh, listeners and followers who haven't come across Black Deer Festival, tell us a little bit about um, the, the concept behind it. Okay, so I've um, been producing uh, events and festivals in my own business for the past 20 years. Um, was originally at Capital Radio um, as head of entertainment. Fell in love with uh, Party in the Park was a baby of mine. Um, I started that for the Capital Radio group uh, mm -hmm. in Hyde Park. I employed a production company to produce it, but I fell in love with building a world. So I decided to start my own company, Entity, with my business partner, Deb Schilling, um, and went about learning my trade. Uh, fortunately, they gave me part in the part to project manage in my new business for two years. Mm -hmm. And uh, that set us on a path of uh, being in love with outdoor events. Sure. 20 years on, I am now co-founder and uh, festival director for our own festival, Black Deer. Um, the reason why Black Deer and the genre is because it was always uh, a genre that was massively close to my heart. Mm -hmm. uh, when I grew up, I've always had a love of music, but I grew up to the Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings, that, that music um, through my brother, who was a, a, a talented musician. He, he and his mates used to gather together in their band around my house and they played the music constantly um <laughs> along with hank williams and all the old country favorites as sure. well as like you know the johnny cashes um unfortunately you know heartbreakingly my brother died when he was um 19 um he was murdered actually and it was a massive tragedy in our life we never played that music for a long time for obvious reasons my parents sure. couldn't stand the pain of, of, yeah. of the music um, so through my career, I've always loved that music, you know, and latterly I went on to produce some greats of, of, of the genre, Neil Young, Bob Dylan, through um, working as festival director for the Hop Farm Festival. Right. And then um, being able to listen to that music again just reignited my love and passion of the music. So I was at a chance party um, the Hop Farm, you know, I, I don't know if people are familiar with the Hop Farm Festival, but it was, you know, Prince, it was Prince's one and only festival appearance. There was amazing artists that appeared at the Hop Farm. And I kind of really learnt my festival trade there. Yeah. All the things that I would love to do if it was my own and all the things I wouldn't do if it was mm. my own. Um, so what happened was that the, the festival, unfortunately, it went bust. 
and um, I decided I kind of had had enough of festivals at that point. <laughs> uh, you know, you get you, you work so hard. It was my baby, and I I cared sure. so much about it. My and my production team entity, you know, we produced that festival and decided, as I say, never never to kind of really enter the festival market again. So we had other projects, obviously, with Entity, with our company, and one of them was to be a consultant to the Erich Estate in right. uh, outside Tunbridge Wells, who wanted to get a bigger license, uh, an entertainment license, and their ambition was to have a festival that grew with the estate, privately owned, the oldest deer park in the UK, beautiful, stunning setting. I absolutely loved it worked with the estate as a consultant um, as part of our business for four, four, four and a half years, nearly five years. And my role, because of, um, you know, I've been in the industry quite a long time, was to bring uh, promoters to the estate to put a festival on and encourage that for, for looking for a festival that would grow um, and be an amazing thing for the future of the estate. Mm. A few festivals came and went and didn't stick uh, for various reasons. Um, but I always fell in love with, I, I loved the estate. I knew the estate. I, I absolutely felt that it was something magical about it. So, chance party. I, was, I, I did a private party uh, for a member of my family and I designed a little mini festival. And uh, a guy came along who, was an elderly guy who'd been in marketing for years. He came along as a, a, as a guest of one of my friends, actually, and started talking about his time when he was a young man and went to the first Isle of Wight festival and watched Jimi Hendrix and 200,000 people, I think. I, it, was, it was a yeah. monster, monster festival. And he was a young man and fell in love with being involved with that festival. He went on to become a very successful marketeer and uh, uh, brought Budweiser and Marlborough into the UK as part of his own business, sold his business and continued to be a very successful businessman. Um, and he and I were just sort of chatting and because I'd created this festival uh, scene uh, for a party, he asked me if I would ever be, think about uh, a festival again. And I kind of explained, no, I'm not really interested. And I said that the only way I would ever, ever be interested is if it was a genre that I loved, if it was a, a place that I was in love with, uh, which was Erich Estate, and that I had ownership of it, or part ownership, you know. And I said that the only, and I called the shots of how the festival ran. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we continued to talk and he said, well, you know, maybe we should talk again, because his love was for country music and mine we then started talking about like the old days of listening, you know, my brother and listening to that music and how much I loved it. And uh, then I said, right, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to go back and talk to my business partner, Debs, um, to say we've had this conversation. Maybe we're continuing the conversation. So that's kind of what happened, really. That was the germ of the idea. That's how it started. Two years later, Black Deer was a reality through, through, really lots and lots of hard work mm. um and yeah something i'm really proud of that, that that moment when you have your own festival and you've been through so much to get there mm. even though your knowledge that i've had in this industry for a long long time was was kind of i, I knew what i was doing i'd never been a promoter before mm. so i've been a producer i, I was you know would, um, you know 
the other side of me, Jill, <laughs> is um, I'm, a, I'm a, a partner with my son, Reese T, um, a, in Entity Hire, where we supply festival fencing to most of the UK uh, right. festivals and events. So I'm used to kind of being a supplier, a producer, but never a promoter. So again, these two years have brought about big challenges of learning how to put a, a new festival on the market, how yes. to attract attention and, and make it a bit different. And that's what I believe we achieved with Black Deer, really. And, and of course, for the, for the first time then, you're in a position where you have that complete control, which is a good thing. You are the promoter, you are the also involved in the, in the production. But again, for the first time, as opposed to just being called in as a production company, um, I suppose ultimately when you're called in as a production company, you're looking after somebody else's baby if, yes. in, in a way, aren't you? And yeah. what you've now got is complete ownership, <laughs> not just physically, <laughs> but metaf metaphorically as well. It's properly your baby and does that bring sort of a heightened sense of um, not urgency, but, but importance? Do you find that tasks that you've been doing automatically for years and years as a producer, suddenly you're stopping to just think about them a little bit differently because oh you've got that promoter hat on as well? Yes, very, very, very much so. And, you know, De Deb's my business partner. She, so we separated the roles in a way. Like so Deb's has been very much more on the corporate side of, our business you know mm -hmm. working with big brands like waitrose and you know monsters but you know where we do corporate parties yeah so she's she's more into that the realms of that she came from a sponsorship background so marketing sponsorship she's fallen into the, the, the that kind of role of the yeah party. absolutely yeah and i'm much more on the ground greenfield there from day one to the day we hand the site back <laughs> so although i'm a promoter and most promoters sort of come in when a lot of the production's done i'm i'm a promoter that's there producing the festival yeah. with an amazing team pulling a team together so you do think about everything very much um in a, in a different way you you, yeah. you think of it you, your head is full up with budgets because ordinarily I'm going to promote a gun it's going to cost x y and z and they go no you've got to get it cheaper and you squeeze and squeeze and squeeze yeah yeah or it's a, or it's a straight yes or no yeah it's a straight yes or no isn't it this yeah, is yeah. what I'd like to do from a production point of yes. view this is how much it will cost no we can't yes. afford it right okay we'll find something yes. else exactly and so I'm arguing with myself almost <laughs> I'm afford to do that that's going to be great but should we be paying that how can I get that cheaper it's, it's all of those thoughts going through your head the whole time but the one thing I know in this industry, in order for us to have got notice as a new festival, because bear in mind, we supply festival fencing to a lot of start festivals, mm. where they had a festival like started as a party and grown it in the garden, and it's become a um, like a like a a bigger entity that that you know is a festival. Mm. Um, I knew that if I did that with this particular genre, because it's bubbling under but it's not really sort of out there in a big way yet yeah, yeah. so but i i recognize that that this this genre could be massive in the future because it's so it's full of so much talent and real storytelling and real people pouring their hearts out and you know done in such a way that i believe that there's life there's a lot of life in it 
And so being able to look at that and realizing that we had to do something to, for the agents to, they know I'm a producer. I know a lot of the agents from my years at Capital because I used to promote a lot of um, events on air. Mm, uh, so I know a lot of the UK promoters from that era. Um, who, who became agents or were agents at the time and also you know, promoting activity going on. So it was knowing that I needed to persuade them that I was really serious about this, that I've got a background of knowing how to produce an event and a, mm-hmm. a festival, but also coming in at a level with financial backup that was going to go in at the 10,000 capacity mark. Right. <laughs> obviously hugely ambitious for year one. Yeah. But I thought if I didn't go in there, I wouldn't get the artists, I wouldn't get the credibility, and I wouldn't yeah. be able to build the strong foundations that was required yeah. for longevity with the festival. So that's kind of was my starting point, really. D- d- diff- difficult decision to make, isn't it? Because like you said, do you, do you start small? Do you say, look, let's go two and a half thousand, let, let's just fill it, let's create a beautiful atmosphere, let's make sure that everybody that comes has just the most wonderful experience and that they tell everybody that they know and then, then we double it in the next year and then, then we double it in the third year. Or do you just sort of make that commitment to, to go, like you said, to 10,000 in the first year? to make sure that you can get some established artists who want, because ultimately what you're doing with the agents presumably is selling the concept of an event and giving them a concept of a platform that will be great for their artists yeah. the format. Yeah. And as we know, agents want their artists to perform in something that's professionally run, mm. you know, as you know, especially we went at a level like passenger was a great artist for us to have as our first headliner, iron and wine. Um, Jason Isbell, who's, who's, who's totally blew everything out of the water because he was in our genre. He's massive, you know, won lots of Grammys and for us to, you know, for, for us to be able to secure him on a first year festival, his only UK appearance was, was, was great. And credit to Bev Burton, who's our, our booker, who, who works closely with Debs and I, we're a real tight team. And, you know, we, you know, we knew that we had to go in at that level. Mm. Then I had to find the finances to back it. I had a starting point. I knew what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to produce it at a level that was where, where people, it was a real festival being looked after properly, you know, being able to, to, to build a site that was safe and, and, and felt right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the only way I could do it as a, as a professional. Yeah. And, and it was a risk because I was all along the way we gathered more momentum and, and people believed in our vision, which was really, really fortunate because we got there. We got it over the line. We sold, I, I think it's about 5,300 tickets or, or in that region. Um, you know, we didn't reach our 10,000, but we started to build a brand, which yeah. is what Black Deer is about really and what our investors believe in. Sure. And, and I guess that, that when you're launching something new like that and, it could be anything. It doesn't just have to be a, a festival, but you commit to it. You sort of almost dip your toe in the water. You put some information out there. You announce that it's going to happen. Then you wait to see if people start buying tickets. And then mm-hmm. presumably you pass a point of no return yeah. where up until that point, you perhaps have the capacity to say, no, let's pull the plug yeah. on this. Not yeah. going to work. But you must pu- reach a point where you think, oh, crikey, we've sold. 2000 tickets we can't 
let 2,000 people down now. We have gone past the point of no return. At what point was that for you? And was it a period of time or was it a, a certain point in the ticket sales where you actually reached that stage and you thought to yourself one evening, that's it, it's, it's going to happen now and it has to happen because we've gone too far? Well, we made a, a, a decision that we would never spend the punter's money. Right. You know, it was very, very important that at any point we would be able to pay back anyone who bought a ticket. Mm -hmm. So that money was ring fenced, yeah. And it was right. it, it was very much a part of the the agreement I had with our investors. Obviously, you know, we've sold shares uh, that we had originally in, in order to gain investment over over the period of time. Um, and it was a point when we knew that our investors, and it was quite late in the day, to be fair, before we started very late in the day before we started spending the ticket money and it was only because we had the assurance of being able to pay every single bill with our investors that that we finally there was a sigh of relief and we knew that we, we were going to kind of do it but it was it was it's it's, it's not it's not for the faint-hearted mm. to, to to do your investment <laughs> yeah, yeah. i promise you it's really not but uh, it's okay we got we got to year one and the great thing is um the content of black deer was very very special and, uh, and it had to be different black deer is a, from the heart of which this music is all about that mm. and i think marrying the two together as an example i was telling you about my brother chris um yeah. we've named one of the bars was called Haley's bar and my brother Chris Haley. Right. The bar has got a picture, an iconic picture of my brother and his mates. It's an old black and white picture, uh, blown up in the bar. Um, it, it was all about Chris, his guitar. My other brother, um, when I showed him the picture and told him what I was doing, he had a guitar. He had the guitar that was in Chris's picture. He went, Joe, I've still got that guitar. So in Haley's bar was Chris's guitar, his picture. And, I, you know, one of the most, I, moments for me, heart-melting heart moments for me was having my brother Steve with his arm around me, looking at my brother Chris in Haley's Bar, one of those venues that you say like the, the cosy, proper bar, we, you know, someone walked in and my God, this is like a Texan bar, this is amazing. Um, with bands playing and people dancing, that was like, that kind of said it all for me. Sure, yeah. It's a real yeah. personal journey that. and. Uh, you know, talking about the, the other smaller bars that we had, you know, the smaller venues, um, Super Jam, Super Jam stage, which is stage three, is all about the kids we've been working with for the past four years who have fallen through the education system. Right. And so we wanted to be able to do something for these kids because we've been mentors to them for, for quite some time. And um, talking about being in the industry and some of the kids have come and helped and, and on events, these kids have had real hard times, like properly. It, it makes your toes curl some of the experiences they've had, but through this school, the super gem school and two guys called David and Nick, who set up the school uh, four years ago. Um, they have now, this school is now, uh, 80 pupils, all uh, you know, partly government funded now. It's a recognised um, qualification that they walk away with in three years. So these kids, I wanted to bring into the festival. So you know, I went to the school one day and told them, you know, Debs and I that that we want to give stage three to them. It's their 
it's their stage. So all the things they're learning in their career, you know, in their, in their day-to-day stuff, we can put into something tangible. Yeah. So that's what we did. So stage three became the super jam stage. They picked the artist, they shadowed the technical production team, had their own uh, mixing desk, artist liaison for their stage, all of the elements that bring about uh, producing a stage and a, 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 they were involved with. So stage three, super jam stage. And those kids lived up to more than my expectation. They absolutely, it was part of their curriculum. It, Black Deer became part of their curriculum. Yeah. Black Deer now is, is a, a, a real fixed curriculum going forward because obviously next year is, there's a new intake of students year one. Of course, yeah. Year two, year three are kind of old ha- hands there. So <laughs> when I went to the school to tell the new intake and all year two and three were there, they own Black Deer. They play all the all the, the stuff on vinyl. Our posters are everywhere. They've got their T-shirts on. And these kids, are, some of them are quite hard nuts. You know what I mean? They've been in gangs. They're, you know, they're, they're not you know, mampy-pampy kids. They're, you know, proper street kids, some of yeah. them. And Black Deer is like, they absolutely love it. So you can see from what I'm telling you, Black Deer isn't just about putting artists on a stage and trying to get an audience in. It's more... It's about giving those kids some hope about what's possible for them and work experience in something that's actually, you know, an industry that they want to they want to work in. Absolutely, completely hands on. And and something something I wanted wanted to ask is, uh, and you mentioned it briefly when you were talking about Haley's Bar, um, is that Americana and country music has this. Uh, association and an almost sort of an iconic imagery that it conjures up and and the music itself is is sort of classic bar music isn't it you know you imagine the classic the classic sort of austin bar or you know and and people will have that sort of american bar image in their head hopefully when they think about americana country music and yet there's almost that sort of paradox isn't there of trying to do a festival for that type of music in trying to create in trying to get a big audience and put big stages up and everything on all the trappings that have to go with yeah. putting on a festival and an outdoor stage but presumably trying to recreate that atmosphere throughout the site of being in a bar with a couple of hundred people watching a band on the stage three feet away from you is that something when you actually did the design of the layout of the 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 site and where you were going to put the stages and how you were going to build the stages and what type you were going to use did you always have that sort of feeling in your head that you wanted to try and recreate that bar atmosphere even on a larger scale 100 percent. but i that site i'd put a festival in my head how i would want to run it on that site for the past however many years Mm. i knew the entrance in i knew how i wanted it to roll i knew what i wanted our festival to look like. One of the biggest compliments was that people who came said, this festival feels like it's been here for years. And bringing those elements of the the bars and the way it needed to work, the almost like old pioneer town look to it, but not too twee. I didn't want it theme parky. I wanted it to be real. Mm. We created the the roadhouse, which was more edgy bar with motorbikes and custom um, uh, bike makers there talking about, you know, their bikes and how they built it. That was the more raw end of the festival. Haley's bar was more like the fun party end. Um, uh, singer-songwriters workshops was on Super Jam as well as artists playing. The Ridge was a really great, you know, stage two venue with, you know, 500 cap 
people just having a great time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and obviously the main stage, you know, we, we, we had such a great mix of artists. And one of, the, again, one of the biggest compliments was the American, a lot of the American artists that came to play, and Kiefer Sutherland was one of them because he, right. he came to play with his country band. Um, so, and, and, you know, Jason Isbell and that, they were saying there is something special about this festival. It feels like one of the, you know, a compliment, uh, but, but one, a really great festival in the States that you would go to, you know? Sure, yeah. So we'd managed to capture, you know, between Debs and I, the eye to detail, because it's our festival and we're there on site, and even though we're promoters and producing, the detail that we put into each and every bar and each and every element was, was more than probably most people would do. Yeah. We're talking about vintage bunting that we'd searched for and Debs had scoured sort of different uh, vintage shops and places for. We had f- beautiful old flags. We had artisan um, rather than just ordinary merchandise stalls, uh, general sort of stuff that you get at mm. most festivals. We had uh, the mercantile, which was artisans who'd come together, who created beautiful things. You know, that was the high end of buying. Uh, and then, you know, the, then we we also created other areas. The Emporium was the dress up, but you could buy cheaper vintage clothes in there. So every single part of that festival, we cared enormously about the detail of it. And the be- beauty of, of that was the feedback we got was people noticed. They noticed we'd cared. Sure, yeah. They loved it, we cared. We had a whole team of of guys, friends, um, you know, we called them our decor team, but they, they, they come, they were the elves. They were like elves. They create chairs for me out of scaffold. They'd go and scour places. We got um, corrugated sheeting. We made walls. We made everything that we could. And the boys, you know, I can't tell you enough amazing things about the team that I had from every every single quarter mm. people that come to work on black deer had so much heart in it because we respected them every, each and every one of our suppliers we embraced hugged a lot, a lot of hugs going on that <laughs> <laughs> good hug um yeah and we become a bit of a cliche we become this big family who, and they all want to come back and work on it next year you know? tell, tell me it, it, You've obviously, you obviously want to grow it. You know, nobody would launch and um, put this much heart and soul into an event and, and, and just say, right, that's it. We've done it once. We'll never do it again. So you want this to grow, presumably you want it to get bigger. Have you already considered the fact that if and when it does grow and become significantly bigger, the actual task of you maintaining such a hands-on approach with every single aspect, you are going to end up having to put your trust in other people. Is it, is it, can you maintain this level of involvement at that level of detail as it grows? No, year one was all about that, but we will still have an eye to detail. Debs and I will still be looking at all the, 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 the extra special bits that go into it. We will still be directing the decor team um, of how the vision is because I've already got the new vision the vision is already there mm. I promise you we've got cowboys we've got uh, we've got so many things that are enhancing what we had last year people hung out at Haley's bar but the front part wasn't big enough I want to make the you know I'm moving it so I get more space around the front area each 
part of our festival. We're not changing it. We're enhancing everything we offered. You know, our young folk area was so well received. Families, people came, you know, eight months to 80 years old. People were at our festival. And, you know, one of the most um, amazing things is, you know, we put our early bird, super early bird tickets on sale on the Monday because our ticket agency said, look, you know, is what festivals do. Put your, put your super early bird, you'll get a few people that, you know, will go, oh, I've had a great time, I'll buy a ticket. Yeah, you know, yeah. Year yeah. one festival. If you've got 200 tickets sold, that would be amazing. If you've got three, 300, it'd be phenomenal for a year one festival. Three weeks later, we stopped selling because they were still selling. We stopped at 935, I think it was. 935 people who came to our festival believed in the heart that was in it and they bought tickets. As soon as they got back, pretty much. As soon as they got back, it was like, I promise you, it wasn't like, we was going, oh my God, we can't believe it. Yeah, and and you look at your numbers, that's a a fifth of people who've come. One in five five people who are at your event have said within a couple of weeks, yeah, I'll go back there next year and here's my money. Absolutely, and we, you know, we keep in contact, you know, there's an attendees group that I answer questions on and Great. engage with them because like they're our, they're our customers and I care what they say. Yeah. Well, the best will in the world as a promoter, as a producer, as a supplier, you know, once that festival goes live, you're working on a big location, you're on a big, big yeah. site yeah. and there's so much happening over the course of a festival weekend that with the best will in the world, you can't be everywhere at all points yeah. and at all times of the festival. So you need that feedback from people who are there as customers yeah. in order to really be Absolutely. able to understand what, what, what has happened and what needs to improve. Absolutely. And we've taken everyone's comments, you know, um, and the, I'm applying those to the you know, the, the improvements, we can't do everything, you know, mm-hmm. there's practical reasons why you can't, but as much as possible, year two will be about listening to our, 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 our ticket buyers and the people that actually gave a damn about it and <laughs> taking it into their heart, you know, sure, yeah. like, that means something, those people mean something to, to us. One, really- one thing, one thing I'd love, I'd love to get your, your thoughts on, um, uh, it goes right back to, to the heart of the festival, which is the, the, the genre of the music, the Americana and the country music. Um, I, I can remember w- when I was younger, my dad being quite you know, a big fan of country music. So I remember it you know, floating about you know, on the radio or on the, on the hi-fi at home. Yeah. And I've always sensed that in the UK, there has been that sort of niche sort of undercurrent of people who really love that music, but they've never really had uh, the opportunities to go and really embrace it as they, as they would. As they would. Also, it's a bit of a guilty secret because what happened is once I started telling people that's what I'm doing, they all went, oh, oh my God, almost like that. I mm. love country music. I love that music. It was almost like they were coming out. Yeah, 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 yeah. admitting it, you know, like, a, like a, 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 an AA group, yes, I am. I promise you. My I'm, name's James and I'm a fan I'm of country music. I'm going to set up a, 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 like a church, kind of like a preacher <laughs> at the festival saying, oh, like you've come out, you know, like, hallelujah, you're all, you're all into country. Yeah. It was, it, and you know what was so lovely, again, people came not really knowing what to expect, suddenly realising that, okay, it was a festival, it was a local festival, come for a day, you know, what we got to lose? We go for a day, it's something happening in our, yep. from yep. Tunbridge Wells, the, the area. And um, 
they came along and they were discovering music they never realized that they loved. And that's what we got. A lot of those day ticket holders are coming for the weekend. They're the ones that bought yeah. the tickets because they saw it and loved it. And, you know, you know, we're going to bring our kids. We're going to camp. We're going to, we're going to make the most of it because you're in a bubble there. It's like this most amazing yeah, bubble yeah. that you become part of that community. And that's what we want to, you know, build. And it's, and it's all real. It's not pretendy. We love it. Debs and I, we were proud and, but we couldn't have done it without the most amazing team who have put so much love in it with us, you know, incredible people. Yeah. I sent, I sent, I sense as well that, um, that fr from an artist point of view, there seems to be a lot more and, and forgive the term for, 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 for real diehard fans, accessible country or accessible Americana, you know, it, 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 it in, instead of it being played on its own sort of dedicated radio stations or people having to go and really do their own research to track down artists, if you turn on just day-to-day, -day, you know, popular music stations, um, there seems to be a, 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 an easier access into that type of music yeah. with some of the artists who, who are also crossing over into the pop music charts and things. And I think, it, uh, did that have an impact from an audience point of view in able to sort of, you know, be able to tap into a market that now, like you said, is a little bit more accessible um, when it yeah. came to that genre of music? I, th I, I think people don't know that they know Americana and country because they listen, as you say, on the popular stations now, you hear, you hear tracks that, we would have playing of artists we'd have playing at our festivals, you know. Mm. Um, Wandering Hearts, who we had, you know, they're a real crossover band now. They're becoming very, very popular, and you could listen to them on any any um, mainstream radio station, and you'd go, "Oh my God, I love that!" And that would be like under the Americana country kind of, but but people wouldn't think that, you know. Yeah. So you're absolutely right. It's becoming more mainstream and people are going to recognize it but i think it's not just about the music for us because our you know american and country artists are appearing in other people's festivals ours is about creating the food the feel the, the community all based around that storytelling and that music mm. um, not just taking bits of it and putting it into a mainstream festival we're actually creating a festival that's got its own identity that's got that special heart that will always be in it all the while i'm in it and deb's in it there's going to be that heart to that festival and and we fight like lionesses, you know, when, <laughs> when, our, um, when our investors are suggesting something. And we can't say no to everything, but we go, no, that can't be like that. We have to do it. And we recognise, you know, we need commercial input. We, yeah. we, but we will work with our sponsor to create something amazing for them. That's what we the, do. The, the, it retains the authenticity for the festival it's as well as aid in their brand. Absolutely. We want them to come along, but we want them to come along year after year because they've had such an amazing experience working with us personally. And because I know, I know how to produce stuff. We know how to make things work. I could sit with, I would sit personally with the sponsor, talk about their ideas, how we can make them reality. Cause that's where I get my thrill from. And, yeah. you know, Debs and I, you know, we, we are in this a hundred percent. We live and breathe and we talk it all the time. Our world, our families will become black dear devotees. Like <laughs> <it or> not. <laughs> I should point out uh, uh, something that we, we've, we've not mentioned so far um, is that 
just just to sort of reaffirm what you've been saying about you know the how much effort but how successful that first year was um nominations for awards just in its first year association of independent festivals new festival on the block award national outdoor events association event organizer of the year best new event event team of the year uk festival award uh, festival awards best small festival best grassroots festival best new festival among others that, that there's just some of the, the nominations that you receive for awards um just in year one which which must be hugely gratifying to not only have had a successful event from an audience point of view from an artist point of view those that came and play but from an industry peer point of view to have other associations and people within the industry say to you yeah you've done a brilliant job there how gratifying was that, oh, that that's kind of I, I promise you it's so humbling properly humbling to have yeah I, I, I'm I'm honestly astounded you know if I could give an award to all my team, it would be, I'd give them every day of the week because they are amazing. But for other people outside of our team to recognise what, what we're all about and what the festival is all about and to get it. Um, and, you know, it's, it's kind of like extremely, we're extremely grateful, you know, 10 nominations. Whether we get any or not is another thing. We won't talk about it if we don't get any. <laughs> Just mention that the nominations is still good. The nominations is still good. Um, we're unfortunately running out of time on today's podcast, but um, to just recap, we've been having a chat with Jill T, who's the co-founder and festival director for Black Deer Festival, um, about why, how it was launched, about the the audience that came, about the philosophy behind it. But it's been a, a great opportunity to really sort of um, to tap into the mind of, as Jill says, a promoter a producer, a supplier, and, and being able to sort of juggle all those different things. If people want to find out about the festival, blackdeerfestival.com is the place to go. You can find out all about the festival, everything that we've spoken about today in even more detail. See some of the pictures that Jill's spoken about, find out about some of the stages, about some of the artists that played there this year, perhaps who's going to play there next year. I don't know if you've announced that yet or when that's yeah, due to be announced. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, work so, in progress. So, so that will come soon. And um, yeah, head over there. It, it, it looks like a fantastic event. And um, anybody wants to find out a little bit more, blackdeerfestival.com is the place to go. And um, that brings us nicely to the end of today's episode. Our thanks very much to our guest, Jill. Thanks for coming on today and speaking um, so, uh, I suppose, candidly and honestly about, you know, the, the efforts that have gone into creating the festival. Pleasure. Thank you for being interested. <laughs> uh, not, not, not a problem. That, that is why we are here and that's why everybody else is listening in because they are interested. The podcast itself is brought to you by our own sponsor, Engage, powered by D2I Systems, winner of Best Event Management Platform at the 2017 Event Technology Awards. To learn how Engage can make your business more profitable, visit d2isystems.com forward slash engage we should just point out as well that if you are listening to the audio version of this podcast via your favorite podcast platform you can always go on to eventindustrynews.com and watch the video version of the podcast and similarly if you are watching this at the moment on eventindustrynews.com and you want to tap into any of our previous episodes go to your favorite podcast platform there are some links on the event industry news page and uh, you can download the audio versions of the podcast to listen to whilst you're out and about at your own events or to and from work and whatever you may be doing um, and that brings us to the end of today's episode thank you very much as always for tuning into the podcast my name is james dixon and we'll see you on the next episode thanks very much everybody goodbye mm -hmm.